0: My wife just really messed up my message because she just heard it all from the Holy Spirit and summarized it really well and uh, prayed it. So, goodbye. We're done. <laughs> No, I want to stick right here. This is this is the message. It's it's God's God's. Uh, she didn't know this is what was coming, um, so that's that's where our hearts are ready. So let's jump right into it. Ephesians chapter two. If uh, you are in elementary school, you can head on up with uh, Dr. Steve Seward, Doctor of Sunday School Awesomeness, and uh, Mike Orloff, our youth pastor, sixth through twelfth grade. Other than that, we're jumping right in. Here we go. Ephesians two. Get your lift notes ready. The context of this passage is the belief that Paul spoke in Ephesians 1 that the Son of, Do- Son of God died on a cross, that God incarnate came to earth and died, and that should never stop blowing our minds, such an audacious claim and sublime reality. So we're skipping announcements and things for now. Just want to get into God's word, believe that the Holy Spirit is just moving and working and wanting to reveal more of that love of God that we just sang of. And Ephesians 2, this is a good Holy Week meditation. Felt like the Lord just lined that up nicely as we're going through the book of Ephesians. Coming into the cross of Christ on Good Friday. You... All were dead in your trespasses and sin. So this is Ephesians 2, verse 1. You were all dead in your trespasses and sins, which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, or children of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. That is a hard truth. (laughs) That's a hard truth that many don't want to face. That the world is broken and fallen, that we, outside of Christ, are broken and fallen. There is a pervasive disease of sin that's evident from personal interactions all the way up to the highest systems and structures and patterns and culture that we can find. As the Bible is very clear from really the beginning, we have fallen far from God's intentions. And we can see it in everyday life. Sin is, is not hard to find. And I, I, I mean, I was reminded yesterday on, on a somewhat lighthearted or comical level, just though how sad and, and painful the world without God can be. I was at my son's basketball game and and uh, the little tournament up in Corona, big old group of people, shouldn't say little, there was hundreds of players and six games going at a time and it's from 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. The first game my son had was at 8, the last game was at 9.45 p.m., but thankfully that got canceled. <laughs> uh but we're there, and it's, you know, bright and early Saturday morning, and, and all these people are streaming in, and it's game one, and, and uh, you know, start getting the lay of the land real quick, and so I find myself next to a, a dad from the other team, and, and uh, he's striking up he strikes up a conversation, oh, where are you guys from, and, and all this stuff, and you know, so we start chatting super nice, and, and uh, you know, I'm thinking in my head, all right, I'm judging him, I got sin, right, I'm judging him, you guys are cheaters, These are 14 year old kids, and three of your kids are dunking in warm ups. You guys are cheaters. They're not 14. They're like 19. They got full beards and everything. And it's true, though. (laughs) My little scrawny 14 year old's like, ow! These These men are gonna crush me. And they did. It was 32 to 114. They dropped a C note and beat us by 80. There we go. That was rough. So I'm in the flesh. (laughs) I don't care about church tomorrow. I'm just mad, right? This is, this is, this is sin. Um, all true. No, well, a little exaggerated. But here, here's, the, here's more. So, uh, like, a minute into the game, as I'm having this great conversation with this guy, super nice, super nice, we're having a great time. All of a sudden, he starts yelling at our coach aggressively. Our coach is, like, three feet onto the court and, and you know, shouting instructions. And, I mean, these these courts are packed in. They're tight. I mean, they, they pack them in like there's these little nets. And so the kids are sitting on the bench, and their literally feet are on the court because they just pack it in there. And so our, our coach you know, kind of doesn't have a choice but to be on the court a little bit. But, yeah, he took a couple extra steps. He's excited. And this dad all of a sudden from, like, happy, nice guy, like, hey, how you doing today? He's like, yeah, like aggressively going at our coach. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And, and our coach, you know, he, he was not having it. The ref jumps in, and, and the coach, he's like, hey, just, just don't talk to me anymore. The, ref, the ref's got it. Don't talk to me. No, it's okay. just setting a boundary. Like, hey, the ref's here. And this guy loses it. What? And now he's on the court. What? And the next thing I hear, in the parking lot. And I was like, oh, come on. It's like 8.04, bro. And we're already having invitations to the parking lot. And I don't think it's for a picnic. I mean... Come on, you got your trunk ready, you got a little, you know, you made some, you know, sausages and bagels, and you want to have our coach. Come on, like, but it was, it was jarring. It's like, I haven't even had enough coffee yet to, like, comprehend, like, what is happening? You want to fight our coach because he took two extra steps into the game. I mean, you talk about where, where is your mind at? I mean, if you're going into a place, you know, it's Saturday morning, you're having some time with your, you know, your, your sons or your daughters, it's like, what are your priorities today? You know, and you, you kind of prioritize. Like, I'm, I'm like, afterwards, I'm like, did that guy wake up and say, like, hmm, how, how am I going to have a good Saturday? I think I'm going to fight somebody. Yeah, by 8.04. If I'm not inviting people to fight, it's not a good day. I mean, this was not low on his priority list. It was like one or two. It, didn't, it was so close to the surface, but in a scary way, where it was literally like, if you're man enough, meet me in the parking lot. And I'm like, wow, we are in trouble if, if, if this is where the world's at. And it is. And then it doesn't take much of but a cursory look at our culture to be incredibly concerned at the absolute, full-on assault that of anything that resembles truth, <laughs> objective truth and morality, especially if it in any way can be tied to a Judeo-Christian biblical worldview, then it's, let's run from this and cancel it and get rid of it as quick as foss- possibly fath- you know, fathomable. But then I got to be honest and, and know that outside of Christ and, and and the hope of glory that's in me that we hope in like, oh, that's all in me, too. If I let myself, whatever that dad had going on and, you know, so you're a cheater and a fighter. All right. You know, like I could I could go there. But for Christ. Right. It's in us. And that's that's what. That's what this verse is saying. It's a hard truth, but the reality is outside of God. We make a mess of the world, and let's not just put it out there. We make a mess of our own life. We walk away from God. We say no thanks. We want to do it our own way. We want to live in rebellion. That's the story of humanity, as it says right here. It's all of us, all of humanity. And there's even another layer of it that's tough to hear. There's a spiritual element, the spirit that is now at work in the children of obedience. In other words, the enemy, the spiritual battle is real. And we have all, again, outside of Christ, bought into the lie that life is better without the chains of God holding us back. It's a different way of saying, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, the devil's trying to lie to you that following God is a chain that you've got to throw off so that you can live in real freedom. So to live in disobedience of God is the real freedom. Don't listen to God. Throw off those chains of morality and truth and following God and surrendering your life to God and trusting God, letting God be on the throne, letting God be king. The enemy's wanting to lie to us that life would be better without God. And in so doing, the difficult truth from this passage is that all of us, at some point in our life, followed this way. We chose to be Dead to God and and slaves to sin. That's a strong, hard truth from Paul. We were dead. You were dead in trespasses. Dead. And children of disobedience, slave to sin. So the question is, what did God do with that? Did he just leave us there? We have this next phrase in 2, 4 to 5, that uh, two, two words that could and should and are some of the most important and beautiful words that just sear it on our hearts, Lord. That in the midst of us, on our own choosing to reject you, to become disobedient, to follow the temptations of the enemy, to become dead in our sin. And to really, at that point, be stuck in our own bondage and helpless, not able to change it and fix it and get out of it. And what did God do? It says, but God. Those, those, those. There you go. You guys are already feeling it. In the midst of the sin and the darkness and the ugliness that's there, it's in our life family, world, culture, it's all there apart from God. How would this rest of the story go if it said and and God just left everyone to what they deserved? But God, it says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great, rich in mercy, undeserved goodness, or you don't get what you do deserve. Because of the great love with which he has loved us. There's that song. Someone's singing. (laughs) We weren't planning on it. Because of the great love with which he has loved us. The great love with which he has loved us. I've heard that song be critiqued. Oh, it's too self-centered. It's all about me. Oh, you mean it's quoting the Bible? The great love with which he has loved us. Oh, how he has loved us. No, I just feel sorry for those people means there's walls up in their heart where they're not ready to receive the wild nature of the great love with which he has loved us. So let those walls come down and and let the Lord heal those wounds. He doesn't stop when the sheep have gone astray and run away and made a mess of themselves and put them in the pig slot. But God. Such a beautiful phrase if we can feel that, that juxtaposition in this passage where it starts and it's kind of like heavy and dark and oh, yeah, sin and yeah, it's me and it's out there and it's kind of everywhere and apart from Christ that yeah, we just do make a mess of ourselves and what do we do? We just get left alone. No, but God. All the sin and the darkness and ugliness that could possibly happen to us or through us, but God. And for some of us, I really believe that that's all you need today. That's a nugget of glory, if God wants to reveal that to you, just to have in your heart, but God. While you were in rebellion, but God. While you were dead in sin, but God. While you had chose to go your own way and said, no thanks, I don't want you, God. I want life without you on my own strength. But God. As we contemplate the cross of Christ this week and on Good Friday, that's, that's the whole idea. He's on the cross because of our sin, but God. God doesn't want the story to end there. He doesn't want your story or the story of humanity to end with our sin. There's an absolutely important, but God. God has something to say. God was not okay with where we were gonna leave it on our own strength. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. That's good news. There's one little comma in there, though, that's bugging me. It's bad because it is is threatening to cause us to not put together two of the most important clauses, two of the most important realities in the universe. Right in the middle. Because of the great love with which he has loved us, comma, even when we were dead in our trespasses, comma, and so there's there's the, the thought that those are separate ideas. That's that's a bad translation. There are no commas in the Greek, so you've got to follow the flow of thought. And I am 100% absolutely convinced there should not be a comma here. Why? Because it's the core of the gospel when you hear it this way. Because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses. Did he start loving you after you stopped being dead in your trespasses, when you got your stuff together, when you started performing well, when you started becoming that moral person, when you started to act right to where you were kind of impressed with your own righteousness, then God was impressed. You got God's attention now. And so he says, wow, now I love them. But let's be real. That is one of the most dangerous, prevalent, pernicious lies of the enemy that he's going to be throwing your way every day. What have you done today to earn God's love? You wake up in the morning and you kind of feel that. Oh, I got to do enough today. So, oh, yeah, I I feel like I, I was good today. Oh, I'm a child of God today. That is not the gospel at all. It's you were loved with a great love, the great love with which He has loved us, even when you were dead in your trespasses. Transpasses? What the? What did I just say? Sorry. Uh oh. The wheels are coming off. I'm too excited. There's some good news in here. Because of the great love with which He has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, it's just so crucial. It is the heart of the gospel that God loved you, loved us, loved all of humanity before, during, during, and after all of our sin. In other words, way before we had any semblance of us getting our act together. But God, for those who need it, direct. You didn't and cannot do anything to earn God's love. That's how he goes on to say in verses 5 to 9, By grace you have been saved. And he has raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. You didn't do it. You didn't earn it. You didn't perform good enough. You didn't get God's attention. So now you're a lovable candidate. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So, if in any way what you're doing is kind of making you feel good enough about yourself to where you can say, Yeah, okay, yeah, I'm a child of God because I kind of done this and that and that, we're missing the gospel. It is a gift from God, never a result of what we do so that no one may boast. So it's about waking up in the morning and by grace, remembering that we have received an identity by faith, we receive an identity. We receive the gift of that identity as beloved children of God, in fact, heirs Of everything that is in heaven. As we looked at last week in Ephesians 1. Every spiritual blessing in heaven is ours in Christ. And those little incredible phrases of 4 and 5. In love he predestined us to become children of God. So this is his plan from eternity past. Not because we got his attention, because we behaved well enough. From eternity past, he was going to be this this fountain, this eternal spring of goodness coming our way. Where he wanted to include a people, a children, to be part of that family of God that he would share all of heaven with. And none of that is depending on our performance. So we wake up in the morning and in Christ we receive that, as Ephesians 1 said, in him we are holy and blameless. And Dawn was feeling that this morning. She was feeling the Lord highlight that. And that's Ephesians 1, and now we've got to learn to wake up with it. Even in the midst of sin, we've got to know that he loved us while we were enemies of God. And as we, see, as we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, that beautiful, incredible truth That in his eyes, we are now holy, blameless children of God. If that sounds too good to be true, listen to last week's message. It's directly out of Ephesians 1. So now, we can wake up, and it's not about works. It's not about doing enough. It's about basking in the reality. Basking in that identity of what Christ has done for us. That he loved us even when we were dead, in our transgressions, and that's why he was on the cross, because that wasn't good enough for God to leave us in the mess that we made for ourselves, but God. And so now he wants us to wake up, and the first thought on our minds is, because of Christ, I won. I already won. How's my day going to go? I won. I've got all these things to do. How's my day going to go? I won. What about this stressful engagement? I won. What about that thing I'm scared of? I won. What about I haven't been performing well enough? I won. Why? Because Christ's victory is your victory. That's the whole point of the gospel. It's not you being perfect. It's him being perfect. And we receive it so we're holy and blameless in his eyes so that we can wake up and our identity is secure. We're no longer stressing and running to and fro to try to do enough in the day to feel good about ourselves. You wake up and you, <laughs> you, re, you remember, I've already won. Because the most important battle that I could possibly face being my standing with God, my relationship with God, my status before God, that is the number one most important battle all of us will ever face. So to know that you wake up, if you're in Christ, you won. At what? Life and eternity, (laughs) and therefore everything else is just details. You won, so live from that victory. And it's amazing what happens. You're then empowered to do a bunch of great things, and we'll look look at that in a couple weeks. We're not saved from works or by works, but we are saved for works because we become like Jesus, and then good stuff happens and comes out of us. So I'm not saying, nor is the Bible, that you just coast and do nothing. No, a transformed person who's met Jesus doesn't coast and do nothing. You got, you got a little fire in your belly for the world. Amazing love, how can it be that our king would die for me? Amazing love, I know it's true. It's my joy now to live for you. We need revelation of this love. That, and that's where it was like that's that that's where we needed to go today. It's like we need revelation of this love and it was awesome that, that my wife sensed that in the holy spirit and 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 just that's what that's what god wants to do more revelation of that love so hopefully and we trust that god's already doing that he's already shown that we know this in our hearts in ways we know this in our head we've encountered it if you've if you're a follower of jesus you know it i mean it's You're not a genuine follower of Jesus if it hasn't been made real on some level, but there's always more. We've never plumbed the depths of God. And you know what's so crazy As I was feeling this and then keep reading in Ephesians, guess what? Paul stops because this is so awesome. And he says, basically in the letter, I I need to pray for you right now. And what's his prayer? That the Holy Spirit would reveal more of the greatness of, the height, the depth, the length, the breadth of God's love. <laughs> we already know it, but do we know it? So much more. Listen to what he says in Ephesians three fourteen and 19, after he's ranting about the love of God. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is, is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may give you It's the same word as back in Ephesians 2 where it says salvation is a gift of God. It's a gift. So God gives you salvation, and now he's going to give you revelation, more revelation of his love. Why? Because it's all the same thing. (laughs) It's just God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, doing what we can't do. That God may, back to verse 16, give you, grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, May, so they're already, they've already got that. They're already rooted and grounded in Christ's love, and God's love by revelation. That's the gift of salvation that they've received. But Paul's saying, now more. And may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth of that love of Christ that surpasses knowledge surpasses intellectual knowledge so that we be filled with all the fullness of God. All the fullness of God is love. And and we cannot even comprehend how great it is, even though we sing it. (laughs) This is the idea. We can't even comprehend how vast it is. The height, the depth, the breadth, the width, what it costs God to put his son on the cross, what that means, what it means that in eternity past in love, we were predestined to become his children. That was God's plan from the beginning. Like, we can't even comprehend the vastness of that love. But so, that doesn't mean give up. It means pray for more revelation. Do you see those words strength in there? That's a cool word. Like, Paul's praying that we would have the inner being strength to comprehend it. Like, the love of God is too good to just comprehend with simple, just on our own strength, human faculties. We've got to go to a supernatural level. We need supernatural strength to experience, to feel, to know, to to encounter, to take in more of the eternal vastness of the love of God. Or, I mean, it's a crazy prayer. Why is the word strength in there? It's so interesting. Strength, twice. That's Paul's prayer. He's a wise guy. This is not by accident. We're trusting he's led by the Holy Spirit. He's been around the block, and his prayer is, oh, God, give him the strength and in their inner being to know your love. He says it twice because he knows that on our own, we don't have the strength, the spiritual strength, to just get it. It's, that's a very thing, is that, is that, that's so interesting to me. You don't have the strength. You don't have the capacity on your own. Like, we need, it's like this supernatural strength that God would increase our capacity be able to know to encounter his love and it's like let's pray as paul does that we know this and that others in our sphere of influence that we will be praying for them as well to be able to have the strength this is not about information alone we don't need just the information. People don't need just the information. They need the Holy Spirit encounter. The strength, the spiritual strength that they would comprehend, that they would experience more of the vastness of the love of God. It puts us in a, in a humbled, humbling place. God, I need you. I need you for more, for my life and for the world around us. To to, to stay in this utterly dependent place. That people would, would, would know their sin. They would know how lost we are. But that there would be ultimately just this Holy Spirit. Just it hits people. Like we sang in that last song, like by the grace in his eyes, drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes, that we would know how much he loves us. That's the the holy week contemplation. And that's our prayer for others. We want to be praying that people would not just hear about God, not just know information, but that they would be drawn to the By grace to the redemption in his eyes. Or to redemption by the grace in his eyes. Either way works. (laughs) Let's pray and we'll conclude our time for the day.
1: I felt like God gave me a picture of just our hearts being cracked open like, like you crack open a nut and opened up, being filled with revelation. So, God, we just, we just um, welcome you. Holy Spirit, we just tell you that we desire this. Would you just, in your heart, God is a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. Would you just welcome him if you want this? Would you just invite him to open your heart so that you can experience the depths and the riches of his love and his heart for you. Just take a moment. And so God, great and glorious Father, wonderful, merciful Savior, you are, we are your children. And you are so full of delight. You are so happy hearted. You sing over us. Like your word says in Zephaniah three sixteen. You sing. You sing. Let us get close to your heart this week as we spend time with you as we open your word and if there's been obstacles in the way of us getting into your word each day. We just thank you for just removing those, for all obstacles out of the way, for a priority and a hunger to come and to sit before you, to open your word while you reveal to us like you did to the disciples when they were walking with you. And then you left and they said, did not your hearts burn within you? while he opened the scriptures. Yes. And so God, I just thank you for encounter, encounter, supernatural encounter with you. Not just, not just isolated to head knowledge, but spiritual, emotional, including our whole beings, inside and out, and encounter with you. And I just wanna read this verse over us as a declaration and as a, as a prayer His word is powerful, it's living and active. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you, gift you, gift you to be strengthened with power, so that through His Spirit in your inner being, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Lord Jesus, we want to join even more into the song that has been sung for all generations since you came to earth. We want to sing this song of love even more so we come to you with our hearts and we thank you for an encounter for a dip for a taste for an outpouring for a deluge for a burning of your fire in our hearts more potent today stronger today filled with more of your strength and power today than we have ever felt and we thank you that this goes on and catches like wild fire in our innermost being throughout this week, that we would dance with you like children, our feet on your feet, our hands in your hands, our eyes on your eyes, receiving and feeling that nourishing love and fire that brings us alive. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: I will sing a new song, I will sing a new song, I will dance a new dance like David.